Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm your host, Rob Carraher, and we're back after a little bit of a break, and uh, we're, we're back on a brand new day. Uh, so to start the show, I would like to chat a little bit about the reasons that uh, I decided that we're moving our show to Sunday morning instead of Friday morning. Uh, the, when I first uh, decided to um, make this podcast, I picked Friday morning because it felt to me like it might be a nice uh, a, a nice thing to have before we get into the weekend so that people can have a movie that they might want to watch. Um, and they can listen to this on their commute to work or when they're getting ready in the morning and kind of have that, that on their mind as they, they head into the weekend. Now, the problem with that is that, uh, I don't often get to review a brand new movie. Um, the movies that I am reviewing generally happen to be, uh, have already been out for a week or in some cases much longer than that. So the idea behind moving this to Sunday is that uh, as theaters are opening back up and uh, we're going to start getting some big movies that come out, um, I wanted to be able to uh, have a platform where I can review that pretty quickly and get you that review before we get too far into the week. So you'll still have recommendations that if you don't get to it that weekend, um, then maybe you can see it the following weekend and you can put that on your list. Um, so I'm just kind of twisting it a little bit. The other thing is that um, being a teacher, <laughs> obviously that is my priority each and every week. And um, there have been weeks where it seems like uh, I'm trying to rush uh, through doing these, these shows. And they're not always the best quality. My mind isn't always uh, the most fresh. And, um, and so as I'm looking to improve my show and have greater production, uh, being able to do that on a weekend and put out a, a better product on a Sunday morning, um, that is that I think this this setup will will put uh, the podcast in in a better position to um, ultimately just be a better product for for listeners and uh, give me a little more flexibility uh, as I am continuing to produce these. Um, so I'm excited to have it on Sunday morning. Um, I think that's going to be really great. Uh, and I wanted to make this change before uh, Oscar, the Oscars get here in a few weeks uh, because it will be fantastic to get this show put out on the morning of the Oscars to help build that excitement and that anticipation. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff that we should be looking forward to. Um, I can't wait to have a little bit more time to continue to build this thing up and uh, try some really cool things, especially when we get to the summer, because uh, I'll have more time. I'll have more time to play around with a lot of this. 
Um, one thing that uh, will be coming after the Oscars, I will be bringing in a co-host uh, so that we can have a more dynamic show with some different opinions and, and uh, we can have some conversations. Um, and so that is something to look forward to as well. Um, so today our review is going to be on the film The Father. And when we come back, I am going to be talking about that film. I don't own all that much, so... <laughs> oh, really? What do you do for a living? Um, I look after other people. Other people? Hmm. Yeah, my job is to help people who need help. <laughs> oh. Sounds like one of those girls you're always trying to dump off a maid here. Must be a difficult job, though, isn't it? I mean, uh, spending all day with one of those... Ugh, I mean, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I <laughs> what about you? What did you do for hmm? a living? Oh, I was a dancer. You? Yes. Dad? What? You're an engineer. What do you know about it? Yes, tap dancing was my specialty. And that was a clip from Florian Zeller's The Father. Um, in this clip, we hear the character of Anthony, played by Anthony Hopkins, and he is meeting a potential new caretaker, played by Imogene Poots, um, who has been brought in by Antony's daughter, uh, played by Olivia Coleman. And this new caretaker is uh, experiencing um, the complexity of uh, dealing with Antony, who happens to uh, be suffering from dementia. And so we're starting to kind of see this complexity of uh, what it's like to live with someone who has dementia and how difficult that can be for a, an average person, uh, specifically when they are your parent. Um, this scene has a little bit of comedy in it, and uh, the film has com some co comedic moments sprinkled throughout um, for a topic that is otherwise... Uh, pretty heavy. Um, I imagine that for some someone who has uh, dealt with a parent or a loved one who is suffering from dementia, this film is probably pretty hard to watch. Um, but it it doesn't take away from uh, just how well crafted um, this experience really is. Uh, and that's really what, what this film is. It's an experience. Uh, it's not the sort of film that you are going to want to watch a bunch of times. Um, but to sit down and watch it once and be able to revel in the uh, high-quality performances, uh, the high-quality uh, craft by the director, Florian Zeller, um, it is well worth the, the experience. Uh, coming from my point of view in analyzing this film, uh, 
sometimes what makes a great film isn't the enjoyment factor, but uh, I I think you can uh, I I would say that I I did enjoy this um, because of the way that it is put together. It is a very interesting way to approach the topic and uh, I think it is very done very very well um, and so there is a part of me that enjoys that aspect of filmmaking uh, even if the concept itself the story itself isn't overly enjoyable because of just how heavy that topic might be um, so the the film it follows Anthony, who is in the midst of uh, really kind of declining um, and uh, the experience that his daughter is going through in trying to do what's best for him um, and some of these other side characters that come in and out of these, these two individuals' lives. Um, and uh, it's a pretty simple concept, uh, but it is done very, very well. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure that it is, people can relate to it um, who have experienced this. Uh, and I think about uh, my life and people in my life uh, that I can only imagine just how hard it would be to to have to watch somebody that you love go through this, knowing that there's not a lot that you can do to make things better for them, um, and being scared of the fact that you have lost them to this, and being frustrated uh, because you don't have that control. Um, and so, because it is a, a relatable topic, uh, I think there is a lot of intrigue um, in, in watching some of these events play out. But like I said, uh, it might be kind of hard for some folks uh, who, who have experienced it, and it could be somewhat traumatic because of that. Um, but the performances from both Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman are very, very Oscar-worthy. Um, in fact, I, if I were a voter, I probably would, would vote for each of them uh, for their categories that they were nominated in, um, in Best Actor and Best Supporting Actress. Um, they are both fantastic uh, and capture just the realness of um, humans coping with the idea of having your your mind go and watching as somebody else's mind uh, is starting to go. And so uh, I I can't like th this neither of these actors are probably going to win. Um, and I'm going to talk about the politics of that here in my next segment uh, just because I think that um, it's okay that that's the case, just based upon uh, kind of the environment that we're within. Um, but uh, I think both of these performances are very, very worthy of 
uh, winning the Oscar, and I am thrilled that they both were able to score a nomination, uh, despite the fact that this film kind of came on a little bit late. Um, in addition, the screenplay, which is adapted from uh, Florian Zeller's play, he he co-wrote the screenplay for this with uh, Christopher Hampton, and Nomadland is probably going to end up winning Best Screenplay, uh, but I feel that this is the best adapted screenplay out of the bunch. Um, and once again, I would have voted for this for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, the complexity of what they are demonstrating on the screen and being able to... Uh, really give us a, a little bit of a viewpoint into what it might be like to have your mind go. And um, they really put us in the vantage point of Antony as uh, he becomes confused at times uh, and, and doesn't exactly know what is going on. Um, and the, the fact that the screenplay just flows like it does, um, where you don't really realize when things are shifting, um, until they've already shifted and it just seems so effortless. Uh, there isn't, I honestly, I have never seen anything quite like it. Um, and I was very, very, very impressed with uh, the craft of this screenplay. Um, I'd be really interested to see this done on the stage um, because it, I imagine it would have to be done quite a bit differently. Um, the way in which the film is edited by uh, Yorgos uh, Lamprinos, uh, that really plays a role in how effortlessly the these changes happen. Um, and you couldn't do that on the stage. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a mix between a fantastic script with fantastic editing. And frankly, I would probably nominate this film for, I mean, uh, it, it was nominated for Best Editing. I would probably vote for this film um, for winning the best editing category as well because it is brilliantly edited uh, to really give this effect. Um, and uh, I, I was just kind of blown away by how well done it was. Uh, I'll have to review that once I am done watching everything and when I am giving my favorites of the year and my picks. I... Uh, but I think that right now, um, just kind of thinking about it, that I would probably vote for this also for uh, best editing. Um, as you can see, I am I, I very very much loved this film. Um, I thought it was so well made, and uh, it it kind of quietly joined this, this batch of Oscar nominees and it ended up with six for best actor, supporting actress, 
uh, sc adapted screenplay, editing, production design, and then picture. And I think it is wor worthy of all of those. Um, the production design is beautiful uh, and plays a major role in how the, the film um, ultimately plays out. Uh, I, I don't know that I would pick it as the winner for that. Um, and I don't know that I would pick this as the winner for best picture, but it would be up there. Uh, it would be toward the top of my rankings, um, because it is a fantastic film. I give it four and a half stars out of five. Um, and it is definitely worthy of being nominated for best picture. Um, it's interesting kind of because it did come in really late in the game and uh, even though it seemed like it had been getting some really great reviews from uh, the critics I was not confident that it was going to get a bunch of nominations simply because of the fact that it didn't seem as though uh, they had been running a great campaign um, it was just so quiet and because they it didn't have the buzz that some of these other films had uh, based upon when they were released uh, it made it difficult uh, for this film to uh, to predict that this film was going to be included uh, it didn't show up in a lot of the precursor precursors that are good predictors um, kind of the same as Judas and the Black Messiah um, and it's going to be interesting to see how things are a little different this upcoming year for Oscars uh, because it should get back a little bit back to normal in terms of the way that Oscar campaigns are run. Um, but this was a, an interesting year and I think that it it's going to be uh, a little interesting to see um, if if this film can maybe steal a few uh, a few of the uh, lower level Oscars. It's not going to win Best Picture. Um, that would be a huge surprise if it came in and won Best Picture. But uh, I could see it um, snagging Supporting Actress. I could see it snagging uh, Screenplay. Um, I could see it getting Editing. And I could even see it winning Production Design. Um, and uh, But it, it very well could win none of those too. Uh, it seems like um, it seems like a, a lot of things are already solidified, but because this was such a late player, it's hard to say. It's hard to say where where it's going to go. Um, it probably won't win all of those, but uh, it, maybe it wins one, maybe it wins none. Um, but I I highly recommend watching this film. Um, you can rent it on video on demand for nineteen ninety nine. Um, and, uh, I watched it on the, uh, the Alamo Draft House streaming, um, because I want to support the Alamo Draft House. Uh, if you can do that, if you can go to one of the, like a, a movie theaters website to watch it over say YouTube or Apple or Amazon, um, and support one of these movie theaters, uh, I would highly recommend doing that. Because uh, right now, a lot of them are suffering. Um, and Alamo Draft House is my favorite place to go watch a film. Um, and we have two locations here in Omaha. 
uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to them opening back up. the The company had to file for bankruptcy because of the pandemic, um, but they're planning on coming back strong. And uh, I I think that uh, being able to support them in the meantime is going to be great. Um, I do not plan on going back and uh, seeing a film in the theaters until the draft house is back open um because it's just the best place to see a movie um they appreciate uh the movie going experience and so i i am waiting until they open back up before i spend money at the theaters um and i know that when they open back up they will have decided to do so uh, with the idea that they can make money, um, but also doing so in a safe way. Uh, so please, if you can, um, when you rent this film, use the Elmo Draft House website, or if you know of another place that you want to support that has it on their uh, video on demand platform, uh, do so. Um, when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking, we're going to be using uh, what I've already talked about in terms of uh, kind of the politics of this film um, and how that plays into, I'm not saying the politics in terms of what's going on around the world, but the way that politics work uh, within the award industry. Um, so we're going to be talking about that uh, specifically with this film compared to some of the other films that are being included and uh, talking about that on the greater landscape of the Oscar season and awards in general. Um, so stick right there. We'll be back here in a few seconds. And we are back, and we are talking about awards. Um, and as I said before the break, we are going to be talking about the politics of the Oscars and how uh, we often see films get nominated or films win uh, because of uh, political reasons. And what I mean by that is not Democrats or Republicans, but rather um, because uh, a, an actor is uh, has kind of paid their dues or um, it, it, it's right for the moment because of something that's happening around us. Um, and sometimes the films that win, the performances that win, uh, the other things that win... Um, they they aren't always the best, uh, but uh, there is a reason that the Academy goes for them. And um, sometimes it drives me nuts, drives me nuts a little bit. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that we cannot analyze films and decide uh, objectively 
whether or not we love something in a vacuum. Uh, there are a lot of things that go into deciding uh, why something is great in a moment and it maybe wouldn't be as great in a different moment. Um, and so that, it, that plays a role in why we see winners in certain instances um, when maybe they aren't as worthy as another uh, winner. And I think that's okay. Uh, it is especially okay when, um, when the film or the performance uh, or the work, the craft, is very worthy of it. Uh, and even if it's, I don't think it's the best, um, even if I think there's a much better choice, uh, that... I, I'm okay giving the award to somebody, um, even if even if they aren't the best. Um, and so, in this case, uh, I I believe that Anthony Hopkins' performance in The Father is the best of the bunch from those nominated for Best Actor this year. Uh, it, it's a different side of Anthony Hopkins that I haven't seen. Um, we kind of see uh, a lot of different, it's a, just a dynamic performance. Uh, we often get performances from actors that uh, are kind of just one thing the whole way through. Um, and so we don't get to see all of the different sides of this character. And in this movie, we did. Um, now, He's not going to win. And that's okay. Um, because they are going to give the award to Chadwick Boseman. Um, and Chadwick Boseman's performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is fantastic. It's a really good performance. It's not my favorite of the year. It's probably not my second favorite of the year. It I don't even know that I would put it in my top five favorite performances of the year. But the fact of the matter is they will never be able to give... Uh, an Oscar to Chadwick Boseman again, and this is an award-worthy performance, and so I have no problem with the Academy deciding that they are going to give uh, him him the award this year. Um, and in this happens, <laughs> we see this happen over and over and over again. The same thing happened with Heath Ledger. It's a really great performance in that year. I cannot remember offhand. Uh, who Heath Ledger was up against, um, but uh, it, it very well might have been the best performance that year. Um, but there is something about being able to give um, an actor who has passed uh, the award if they were worthy of it, um, simply because you know you're never going to get another opportunity to do so. Um, so once again, I don't have any problem with that. I. Uh, there are also, like last year, I'm thinking about Parasite. Parasite was not my favorite film of the year um, for the 20, 2020 Oscars. Uh, I really loved A Marriage Story. I thought overall um, that was my favorite film of the year, but I was thrilled when Parasite won. Uh, 
In fact, I probably was more thrilled when Parasite won than uh, I would have been if A Marriage Story won because uh, of everything that it represented. Um, it was something fresh. And the Academy, uh, they, they rose to the moment and gave it to a film that uh, broke down a lot of barriers, including awarding Best Picture to uh, the first film not in an English language. Um, so the, the politics of uh, the Academy's choices, uh, the politics of just award season in general, it's not always bad. As long as the films being selected are of high quality and deserve to be there. Um, now, where I get upset um, is when there is this just kind of weird connection or love for a film that isn't as worthy. And um, I, I'm thinking of when Bohemian Rhapsody uh, had a little bit of a run because that was not a quality film. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Yes, it had some... Uh, probably big-time uh, celebrity connections that played in its favor, but it just it didn't deserve to be there. Um, and that is an example of how the politics of the Academy uh, create a situation where we are awarding films that aren't worthy. Um, and you just you can't make an argument in that case for first Rami Malek's performance was easily one of the worst uh, awarded best actor performances that we have seen in many, many years. Uh, the fact that it got not, not even nominated for editing, but then ended up winning that, that is complete crap. Um, and I believe that uh, the campaign part of Oscar season and the politics played a role in why um, we saw those two uh, categories go to Bohe Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, so I I think this is something to continue to come back to, uh, especially as the Oscars are shifting uh, to hopefully be more diverse. The fact that we had um, two female directors nominated for Best Director this year. Uh, that is a jump forward, um, and both of them are very, very worthy of it. There have been uh, some arguments in the past of uh, the category not being representative, um, mostly just nominating white male directors. Um, and when there would, when there have been uh, quality other options, and I think that they did a pretty good job this year of uh, trying to be more diverse. Um, they even, even though they they nominated a white male on there, another white male on there, picking a uh, a work from a one of the. Uh, films nominated in the best film not in an English language. Um, 
best international film. That's what the category is. I'm sorry. Uh, they picked one a director from there, and I think that that shows that they're starting to become more diverse in the way, at least, that they are thinking about film. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how politics play a role in this moving forward and trying to pick great films that meet a, a moment in time and uh, in rewarding them for that. Because I think that is important, um, that, that we are uh, picking meaningful work, uh, something that represents this moment in time. And uh, that's where I think I have a problem with films like Green Book, even though it was a pretty well-crafted film. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't meet the moment. That is going to be a film that probably is forgotten 20 years from now. Um, and I think it's probably one of the weaker Best Picture winners uh, because it frankly is not unique. Um, and it it doesn't add to the conversation for that moment in time. Um, they could have easily gone with Black Klansman that year, which uh, is a, a better representation of uh, not only the current time period, but also what has happened in the past. Um, and the fact that they missed out on that uh, that's a problem. Um, so we're going to see if, uh, as we move forward, if uh, the academy evolves and that we are going to start to see more films be uh, better represented in terms of uh, both gender equality um, as well as uh, cultural backgrounds, ethnicity, and race. Um, so I think that's enough talking about the politics of, of the Oscars. Um, but uh, I think it's an interesting topic to, to think about. Um, and I know that it is a conversation that comes up among critics and among the pu public each and every year when it comes to the Oscars. Uh, and, and so it's, it's something that I'll probably down the line, uh, bring back into the conversation as we get new films, uh, that, that represent this idea. Um, so since the last show we have done, uh, we have received awards for, uh, some of the guilds, uh, that generally have some influence on what we see happen on Oscar night. Now this first one, the Writer Guild, the Writers Guild of America, this one doesn't so much. And the reason being is that uh, it, this is a fairly elite uh, group of uh, folks that if you're not a member, then they're not going to nominate you for their Guild Awards. Uh, so we often see screenplays that are favorites or that get nominated for Best uh, Screenplay at the Oscars that aren't nominated at the Writers Guild uh, Awards. And um, that's the case this year. So in the 
original category, we did have both Promising Young Woman and The Trial of the Chicago 7, which are the two frontrunners for uh, Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. Promising Young Woman ended up winning this award at the Writers Guild uh, Awards. And up to this point, I would have said that the trial of the Chicago 7 was very likely to end up winning the Oscar. Not saying that it still won't, but the fact that Promising Young Woman won here, I think increases that screenplay's chances. So at, at this moment in time, I am predicting that Promising Young Woman is going to win uh, best original screenplay at the the Oscars, and I will be thrilled if it does. Uh, as much as I think um, that Aaron Sorkin's screenplay in The Trial of the Chicago Seven is its stre the strength of that film, uh, I think it's probably the weakest of the Best Picture nominees. Um, it's not as incredible of a screenplay as uh, Promising Young Woman's, uh, which was written by also the director of the, that film, uh, Emerald Fennell. Um, and uh, I will be thrilled if she ends up getting to win the, the screenplay award for best original screenplay at the Oscars. Now, the adapted category is gonna be interesting because the favorite Nomadland which is also, once again, we have the female director of Nomadland also wrote the screenplay, Chloe Zhao. Um, she was not eligible at the Writers Guild Awards. Uh, so it ended up going to Borat, uh, the sequel to Borat, um, and that is not going to happen at the Oscars. Uh, even though the film was nominated at the Oscars for this award, it won't happen. Um, as I said earlier in my review of uh, The Father, I think The Father could be a threat. It is still more than likely going to be Nomadland, and that would be a worthy winner. Uh, I, I feel a little more strongly um, that The Father should win here, um, and uh, I suppose it there's a little disappointment knowing that a screenplay as well crafted as the father is going to end up losing to uh, this this pretty minimalist screenplay of Nomadland. Um, in a way, it feels like the screenplay for Nomadland is kind of just stays out of the way and lets things play out, um, but. Uh, it is subtle, and there are some really great dialogue moments that are very beautiful in, in that film. And so uh, I really have no problem with it winning. Besides, going back to our politics uh, discussion, being able to award Emerald Fennell and Chloe Zhao in the same year for both of the screenplay categories... Uh, would be a, a first, uh, picking two female winners. Um, and it's been a long time since uh, a woman has won for 
for best screenplay in either category. So the fact that we have a great chance to have that be the case for two, for two of the screen for or for both of the screenplay um, categories is pretty incredible. Uh, so that was the Writers Guild Awards that happened uh, a couple weeks back here, um, and then the Producers Guild Awards, which uh, has a fairly good track record of being a predictor. Uh, it's not always the case. It was not the case last actually the last few years. It hasn't been the case as much. Um, but uh, it, it has a track record of, of giving whoever they pick a pretty good chance of winning at, at the Oscars. And they picked Nomadland. Um, and I would be pretty surprised at this point if Nomadland didn't end up winning. We're going to find out uh, how strong Minari is tonight. Um, and see if it wins some awards at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which will be shown tonight. Um, and uh, that that awards show has already been pre-recorded. Uh, there have been some uh, rumors of leaks out there, but I haven't really looked at them too much because it doesn't seem like they are they are solid leaks uh, because there've been some rumors about. Uh, that have been conflicting. So um, if Minari can win the uh, award for best ensemble, which is kind of their way of picking a best picture film, I think that it could be a threat to win uh, best picture come Oscar night. But at this moment in time, it seems like Nomadland is pretty unstoppable. Um, and uh, that Producers Guild a win definitely kind of puts a little bit more gasoline in the tank for them. And uh, I think it's going to be very, very hard to stop. Um, but I'm looking forward to watching the SAG Awards tonight uh, and see what emerges from there, specifically in the Best Actress category, which is a pretty blurry picture. Um, we don't really know who's going to be the front runner, and I think whoever wins the award tonight will be uh, the favorite going into the Oscars. Um, and there, there's a reason that's the case, because the Actors Guild is the largest body um, in the Academy and uh, they they do a pretty good job of predicting who that winner is going to be. It's not always the case but they do a pretty good job. I'm also going to be interested in seeing who they choose for supporting actors. Um, it's The favorite right now is Maria Bakalova um, but if they end up going with somebody else uh, like a Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, it could really throw everything upside down. Um, I, I would be thrilled to see Olivia Coleman win here. Uh, she, she provides a pretty subtle performance uh, in terms of there aren't, uh, there isn't that big moment for her in, in The Father, but she's just so good. You just, you you know how she feels based upon the look on her face. Um, and 
it's just an incredible performance. Um, so I think that would be very worthy. Uh, going back to our politics discussion a little bit here, um, I think the Academy, they, they like to spread the love a little bit. Um, and they, they recently did give her uh, an Academy Award. And so um, they, they may not be ready to do that again uh, quite yet. Um, and so even though I think that she would be very worthy, uh, it just might not be the right year. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that that uh, category is very much up in the air. Um, so that that is all I have for this week's episode. Um, going to kind of going taking a look at what we have coming the next few weeks uh, because I have now shifted things to um, Sundays next weekend on April 11th. I'll be doing a review of Pieces of a Woman. On the 18th, I'm going to be doing a review of the Oscar shorts. And then on the 25th, which is Oscar night, uh, I will be doing an Oscar show where I will be giving you my predictions for what I think is going to win that night, as well as my personal favorites from those nominated. And then I am going to be giving my best of out of all of the films that were eligible to be nominated for the 2021 uh, Oscar Awards. Um, so I'm really excited about what we have to come. I can't wait to uh, share all of that with you. And until next week, 